so him and two other actors, it's a really famous one, were out on a boat and this guy's wife drowned and they just came back to shore, Christopher Walken and this other guy, and went, oh, she drowned. Hello again, it's another episode of Now Accepting Offers. We're into another week of creating this ongoing story. I'm Stephen, and joined as ever by my fellow co-host Joe. Hi Joe. How's it going Steve? Yeah, good man, how are you? Yeah, not bad. I've um, obviously, it's been a week now since the last ep, and I I really enjoyed doing the uh, Simpsons recasting. That was a lot, a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, it was a doozy. Uh, it got me thinking, though. I don't have the creativity to create like a challenge as uh, oddly specific as your one. <laughs> I've gone away and thought of my own challenge. I think that we should make some sequels based on... like It's going to be films, because a sequel to a TV series is just a second season. Series two. Yeah, <laughs> no one's calling them a sequel. It would just be weird. So I've got away. I've actually had a thought about one of them, if you'd um, uh, allow me the honour of giving you this example. I'm going to guess straight off the bat that this is a film that probably didn't ever get made into a sequel. Yeah, there, there, there was no sequel to this film yet. Yet, okay. I'm working on it. I'm going <laughs> to shop this one. <laughs> Yeah, throw them at me, bro. Okay, so here's this one I've been working on. Can you remember uh, mid-2000s film V for Vendetta? Bald Natalie Portman. Bald Natalie Portman. Um, Hugo Weaving in a mask. Agent Smith in a mask. <laughs> now, it, that has one of the like most... Uh, Ending that inspires hope where everyone, just to remind everyone, they're rising up against the tyrannical government. They've all got their mask on. They march on the houses of parliament. The military will let them through. Like, oh, yeah, we've done it, lads. No more British Nazis. And then Hugo Weaving essentially commits an act of terrorism and we all cheer. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> and that that's where it ends. That's like a... To me, incredibly unsatisfying ending. Because what happens, it's all well and good. You've risen up, you've kicked the Nazis out. But they're all just like regular-ass people on the street. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I wouldn't know how to re-implement a system of government after a hostile takeover. I'm just a normal, feckless idiot. So my film would open up. We'll call it E for Vendetta. Because okay. Eve's going to have a big part of that. That was Natalie Portman's character. Nice. Seconds after the original film ends. Straight off the back of the first one. I like that. I like a bit of continuation. Oh, yeah. There's a sequel. It's got to continue. It'd be weird if it was a completely different film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's about animated lions. It goes places. <laughs> Seconds after, the ashes of Parliament are falling all around. 
And then like, everyone kind of stopped cheering, eerie silence. And then guy in front of the crowd, still in his mask and cape and stupid hat, sort of looks around and goes, what do we do now? <laughs> credits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, get, we get credits on the front, credits right up top. So you know who's going to be in the film. Natalie Portman makes a uh, comeback. Stephen Fry is going to be in there as well. Lovely. So we have them go, what do we, what do, we do? And there's a bit of confusion. The police are going, oh, I don't know, it's weird. No government. I'm going to arrest some of you anyway because you shouldn't be here. Like, okay, fair enough. And they'll go back home, kind of waiting to see what's going on. Obviously, Natalie Portman, very disappointed in this. Her weird boyfriend slash dad has just exploded in Parliament and everyone's kind of going back to EastEnders. So she goes, she realises, all right, terrorism isn't the way to get people's minds to change. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. What can I do? She's thinking, she's thinking. I know what I'm going to do. She takes out her phone. Just going to, obviously, a bit uh, uh, out of sync with the timeline because it's going to be an, some sort of iPhone. Okay. For sponsorship deals. Yeah, I think that's a, a good sequel trope, isn't it? Throwing in some, some hokey sponsorship. I'm, I'm on board. Carry on. Yeah. Then she takes out her phone, takes a big swig of a can of Pepsi, and the logo's facing the camera. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, mm, 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 isn't that refreshing? <laughs> Better than Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the subtitle for the film, Better Than Coke. You have, to, you have to wait to see what is Better Than Coke. <laughs> and she takes out her TikTok app. Okay. So Eve, a revolutionary fighter for the future of England, realises that the only way she can win young hearts and minds is by doing various TikTok dances. But, like, she'll floss... <laughs> and f- she'll floss to like Old Town Roads, that uh, little Nas X song. Uh, Keep keeping it current. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, these current references. Well, I don't know what people are doing on TikTok, if I'm honest. So uh, I don't no, think Natalie I... Portman does either. So I, this is very fitting. Yeah, I can't keep up with TikTok, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, so she's having a floss uh, to Old Town Roads <laughs> and. Uh, everyone's having a little bit of a floss, uh, a two-step, one of those weird ones where you, like, make your feet make letters. I don't know, what's it? Crip walking? Yeah, if you like. I'll politely nod, not sure. So it's all about her rise to fame as a TikTok influencer. And then by the end, we see everyone doing the exact same thing, essentially. They're going out to stop like uh, we're taken to the streets outside Facebook offices. Mm. And instead of all wearing masks, they do a brand new groundbreaking TikTok dance invented by Natalie Portman <laughs> as, uh, as the Facebook offices explode. And England's better again. I like it. So they've not only taken over the British government, but they're also taken on Silicon Valley through the medium of social media influencers and shit dancing. Yeah. And I okay. think uh, I think one of the major themes is going to be Natalie Portman realises about halfway through, like any like influencer grifter does, that, oh, this is just really good for making money. I'm going to <laughs> Bali. She has a complete change of character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I think... 
it's definitely got legs. E for Vendetta, e for better then. than Coke, is, yeah. is going to be the working title. All right, yeah, I'm on board with that, mate. Sequels either go one or two ways, don't they? They're either incredible, yeah. you, know, you think of The Dark Knight, or they're terrible, you think of like Kingsman 2 whatever the hell that was called with yeah. Alan John and, uh, you know, all that crap. I think yeah. there's, a, there's a few things that happen in sequels that they just need to happen. There, yeah. there needs to be some continuation of themes. I always quite like uh, annoying new side characters. So who, who are you throwing in for V for Vendetta? Sorry, E for Vendetta. Who's going to be the completely doesn't belong there, but they're there for to get those, get those bums on seats in the theatre. Like, uh, to really get the young audience, I'm talking, like, anywhere between 6 and 13. <laughs> I'm going to go for a uh, strange YouTube uh, pseudo-celebrity and arsehole. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a man called Logan Paul. Uh, very familiar, yeah. Logan the guy... Paul, yeah, he would absolutely do it as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And just have him, like... Uh, yeah, a, a weird sight. He's probably the one who introduces uh, Natalie Portman to TikTok. He goes, hey, mm. hey, Natalie, setting up an account's free. As long as you do controversial things on the internet, you can get money from advertisers for having 12-year-olds watch you take videos of dead people in forests. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And this, this could also lend itself to uh, a trilogy whereby a bald Natalie Portman ends up boxing KSI for money. Yeah, absolutely. We, we could just blow up the franchise with this. Okay, I like that. I've got some sequels of my own, actually, that I've, I've always been sort of curious to see how they'd have worked out. So are you okay if I run those by you? Yeah, go on. So the biggest film that I can think of that absolutely wouldn't have needed a sequel, but I can't believe that it hasn't been done, would be E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah. Going on from the, the idea that it's the same cast, but I'm not going to do a direct continuation with E.T. Okay. I'm, I'm going to let Elliot grow up and become a father. Yeah. And E.T. comes back, but this time his mum's with him. E.T. has grown up as, as a friend of the earth, as a friend of Elliot. Uh-huh. He's spoken to his mum about how the humans were good to him. Some of the humans were good to him. Yeah, most of them were fuckers. A lot of them were chasing him, yeah, trying to capture him for for scientific purposes. But his mum is not going to quite like this. She's going to want to... She's saying, take me back to where this was. I want to meet these people because you've learned some bad manners along the way. And I want to figure out who's taught you this. So E.T. rocks back up. His mum's with him. Yeah. maybe played by Queen Latifah. She's going to be in all this alien get-up and she's going to be grilling Elliot. And effectively, just through politeness, Elliot invites E.T. and his mum, Queen Latifah, to stay over at the house. I, I love the fact that, okay, you say Elliot's grown up. He is, yeah. How grown up are we talking here? I'm thinking he's got a family, so he's going to be like in his 30s. He, he's had the kind of life where yeah. he's, he's become a really well-rounded human. He's got a lovely little family. His kids are great. And then it, they're watching TV one night. They're all around the, the sofa watching a nice family film. And this big light hits the back garden. And E.T. sort of like running to the door to try and forewarn him that he's back. <laughs> and he's like, oh, great, E.T.'s back. But he's like, but wait, <laughs> my mum's with me. <laughs> and then Queen Latifah comes 
bowling out this spaceship and she's going absolutely crazy. <laughs> she walks in, she like takes a swig of milk straight out of the carton. She yeah. sits on the sofa and she's just like, who's responsible for my son? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this weird implication here. But So this is about 30 years in the future that if we agree to the conceit that E.T. is Elliot's age in the time of the first film. Okay. That E.T. now coming back to Earth at about 30, a 36-year-old man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My mum's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. My mum's so angry. Like yeah. a fucking basement dweller. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, E.T. Uh, went home and never really ever left. So he just lived in his mum's basement. He just plays, you know, World of Warcraft in his mum's basement. Uh, and yeah. His laziness has, has not come from her. She didn't raise no lazy alien. She yeah. thinks that it's Elliot's fault that he's so lazy. I think as well, you know, with sequels, what they do sometimes is they do the exact same story, yeah. but, but they do it in another place. You know, oh, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, Home Alone, Lost in New York, uh, Deuce Bigelow, <laughs> European Gigolo. Oh, I forgot they made that. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, even. So oh. I, I think Elliot maybe lives now in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a classic sequel location. Yeah. I don't know why people just go, oh, how are we going to make this bullshit script interesting? Palm trees and beaches. And 100%, there has to be a scene where E.T. wins a surfing competition. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that rather than the famous bicycle scene over the moon, <laughs> they do it in a jet ski past the sun. Yeah. And it's a proper throwback. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, all the big fans will be going, oh, man, I remember this one. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, E.T. to Mama's home? Uh, I think if you if it's... In Hawaii, I think it's just E.T. goes Hawaii. There was a sequel, like E.T. novelization sequel, that leads on from the film, and I think a lot of it takes place on his home planet. Yeah, that was another thing I was thinking, but I think E.T. has to come back. But there could also be a flip where maybe Elliot goes to his, and they just do the exact same fucking film where all of E.T.'s uh, grown-ups on his planet are just trying to capture Elliot. Yeah, loads of it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell what's going on most of the time because Elliot's the only one who speaks English and the rest of them are like, whoa, glub, 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 glub. Yeah, E.T., like it's been made for the audience where he's from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that scene in the cupboard where E.T.'s hiding among all the toys, but it's just Elliot and they're all like, they all just look like kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loads of stuffed children. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy bastard. Okay, well, I think that's been uh, a good little exercise in to see how our brains work. And, yeah, if you're getting getting some ideas from listening to this at home, listeners, then do hit us up on Twitter. We are at Accepting Offers. We want to know your favourite sequel. We want to know your least favourite sequel and why. We want to know if you would pay good money to go see Eve for Vendetta better than Coke and E.T. 2 going Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's awful. <laughs> okay, let's get on to our guest for this week then. Let's uh, let's crack on. Okay, so welcome into the show this week. We have upcoming comedian Marius Spence. Hi, Marius. How are you? Hey, Stephen. Um, good, thanks. Good. Cracking on with lockdown life. Oh, it's a, it's a fun ride, isn't it? Yeah, lots of reality TV from years ago. Oh, okay. You've gone into a, a deep dive, not watching any current stuff. No, no. <laughs> Season one of Big Brother going strong. <laughs> Playing a little game of who's still alive. What, uh, what old school reality have you been watching? Uh, at the moment, it's Australian Survivor. Nice. I don't know how old it is. I know I'm like four seasons behind where it's at. So, but the clothing and stuff, and it being <laughs> Australians, I can't date it at all. <laughs> <laughs> A really bloody weird coincidence. I could not sleep last night. And you know, when you get into like a weird YouTube hole of like, you just thought to play next, play next, play next, and you end up like watching top 10 snooker controversies. <laughs> I actually ended up watching uh, Survivor, like, oh, top five times, contestants beat the producers at their own game, and I was fucking enthralled. <laughs> like, I must have stayed up for hours watching Survivor highlights. So time well used, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm only in it for the actual betrayals and shit. It's, oh, it's, it's like watching a really bad film, you know, but good. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the vibe we're going for with this story. So you might be perfect for this week. <laughs> oh, we can imagine that you're on a reality TV show, me and Steve, mm-hmm. both the judges. We go, Marius, what are you, what are you going to bring to our story, our film, our TV show? What, what sort of uh, stuff do you want to see in there? Um, I want tension. Well, it depends. Uh, I kind of, it's hard because I don't know what's already there. So there's a few to choose from, I guess, depending on what we get. Like, I like a betrayal. I like a secret person who's like a background person, but ends up knowing loads, like they're in on everything. Okay. Just like uh, the, the janitor's sweeping up sort of thing. And then you see him like put on some shades and he put on a business suit, that sort of thing. A um, bit of a Kaiser yeah. Soze type vibe. Just yeah, yeah. Off he trots into the street. I mean, he's a big main character, so maybe that's a bad suggestion. But yeah. So, okay. So background people who are maybe pulling the strings, like mm-hmm. Amanda, like Amanda from Saw. Was she the woman from the first one with the mouth thing, and then she ends up being his little? Yeah, yeah. So she's yes. in the house in number two, and she ends up being uh, quite a pivotal part of the entire murder plot. So yeah, that was one of my favorite things about Saw, where when it got to like Saw six. They were just going back to every background character from like Saw One and going, oh, what was this guy doing? And yeah. They were all just evil fucking rosses. I, I, I feel like I've I've seen up to the point where it goes to the first Saw and the main victim is he was a murderer, like the doctor from the Saw. Is, is that I'm remembering that correctly? It's not a yeah. fever yeah, no. dream. They, they used prison break logic in Saw, so they decided that they'd run out of their own ideas that they just re-watched their own old stuff and were like, oh, yeah, that cellmate from season one, episode eight, he can be the mastermind. Well, no, let's, let's not worry about writing in a new person. He knows the he knows the show, he knows catering, we'll get him back on. 
sort of like it's a mixture between it's either a good fresh idea you're adding or you're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> yeah that's uh what we've been doing definitely <laughs> you'd have seen then marius a couple of the things that are available on the wheel of story elements mm-hmm. what what would be your top ideal thing to get this week plot a uh, twist twist 100 twist twist would be your top one what I really like is quick change of hands. Do you know, like uh, like in Crimson Tide, where Gene Hackman's super in charge, the Denzel Washington steps up and you're like, you can't step up. And then someone backs him. So it's like, oh shit, now Denzel Washington's in charge. And then Tony Soprano gets involved and then he's in charge. I love that, like, that sort of twist turn, like, oh shit. Oh, so you like a change of power dynamics, like uh, a child of divorce, maybe who all of a sudden doesn't respect his dad as much because he lives with his mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, yeah. I'm Boy, drawn see. more towards the, you know, when there's like a crime that's happened and it's all this, um, who's in charge here? We are. Yeah. Not anymore, you're not. And yeah. it's like, there's like a row of dudes behind each other just waiting for that line to be said so they can step in and just go, not anymore, you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> all, all, this crime scene changes hands between eight different organisations. I like that as well. And then at the lowest rung of that ladder is the hardworking cops who don't care who gets the credit. They just want to solve the case. Yeah, I love that. I love the cops that think that they're still qualified to do a job that is about (laughs) eight pay rungs above what they do for a living. (laughs) I can can find this child sex ring. No, you can't. You're a traffic policeman. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't approved this overtime. You have to go home. (laughs) Lovely. Okay, well, that sounds exciting. Then. So I'm keen to, to see what you get. Just as a reminder to our listeners that the wheel is entirely not rigged. Uh, it's going to be a case whereby Marius doesn't have a clue what he's going to get. He's going to take that baby for a spin and then he's going to give us his, his overall thoughts. And, and what he says will become part of our ongoing story that it's going to just make us millions, Joe. I can already smell the money. I've already spent some of the money. Oh, yeah, I am... Digging a debt hole with the money. <laughs> but trust me, I'm going to be in the green this time next year, baby. Yeah, all... by, by both of us. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, Steve. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, so Marius, it is now the time of the show that you have been so eagerly waiting for. If you could please go over with Joe to the wheel of story elements. Joe, if you can do your wonderful thing and take him over. Excellent. Uh, if you just come over here. Are you? So you won't even have to do anything. I've actually got a soundboard up here. Here, check this out. Oh, here we go. Just press a button. Makes it sound like Ooh. you're Ooh. Yeah, I had to follow you for a bit. Uh, so it's okay. Oh. Oop. Sorry, I had my hand on the button. Whee! Oop. Again. <laughs> okay the wheel has stopped and landed this week on episode four for you marius on genre genre is a big one we don't yet have a genre for our story we have elements how are you feeling first and foremost um excited and powerful (laughs) i should feel powerful these days (laughs) these days (laughs) now there is, of course, you get to pick whatever you want. Like, you know, go in this just for your 
your favourite genre, which we'll ask you about in a second. But I'm going to warn you, for anything to make sense, it's going to have to be one specific genre. It's going to have to be very specific. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure, but uh, but what? So what? What are you thinking when you hear genre? What? What are your favourite genres? Um, do you know, I don't know if I have a favourite so much. Maybe thriller or anything with thriller elements. You know, it could be an action film with thriller elements, comedy. I think I need some some to keep me guessing while I'm watching. I think that's what I like. Can we just wind back for a second there? A comedy with thriller elements. Um, I just want to top, top five go. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe I couldn't name five, but like <laughs> one. I'll go. I'll take one. <laughs> the interview. The interview. Okay. Do you know just a bit of a sort of attention, or oh, even like knocked up? Where I know it may not come across as a thriller, but I find the idea of this fucking guy's life be upended so quickly, that's that's scary. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I, think, <laughs> I, I think you've confused the idea of a thrilling film <laughs> with the genre thriller. <laughs> yes. That's definitely true. That definitely could be the case. You're the first person in history to describe the film Knocked Up as a thriller. I guarantee you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking with you then, Marius. You just like something that keeps you on the edge of your seat. Something mm-hmm. that's got some uh, something big riding on it, and you don't care what genre it is, as long as it's thrilling. Yeah, but some genres, I guess, you can have more stuff in. So sci-fi, there's a lot of shit you could throw into a sci-fi. Whereas a romance film, nah, not so much. You could have a space romance. Sci-fi. But, this raises the question: You could have a sci-fi romance or a thriller comedy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> As we already confirmed, it's definitely a real genre. Um, I think, but if it's a sci-fi romance, that interests me more than romance. Yeah, uh, I I agree. There's only one good rom-com in my eyes. Okay, it's about time. Um, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it there, but I cried. I cry every time I watch it. Uh, and that has, it's not just a, it has sci-fi elements, so I completely agree with you. Could you, could you do a sci-fi <laughs> romance? It had, it had. What film was sci-fi that? Sorry, sci-fi elements. <laughs> yeah, sci-fi elements. <laughs> about time, it's a film about time travel. Joe yeah. is just thrown in there that it's got some sci-fi elements. The entire concept <laughs> is is about time travel. Um, but yeah, I mean that is that would be maybe less of a common and maybe just a rom. Terry Gillingham won that. Is it not the guy who did Love Actually? Bill Nye in it. Yeah, which makes me think it might be. Is it is his name <laughs> Richard Curtis? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, so. Okay, right. it's got all of his usual tropes in it of very Britishness, uh, lots yeah. of soppy love bollocks, but. It does. Sorry, this is Joe's favourite rom-com. Yeah. I just said on the pod, I cry every time I watch it. And you're like, yeah, it's fucking bollocks, isn't it? Just a bunch of uh, rich southerners talking about how sad they are all the time. Fucking yeah. shite. I, I think what it is with that film, it's it's the, the ginger Irish guy who's the main guy. He just winds me up. I see myself in him so much. <laughs> You're killing me, yes. <laughs> so, hey, 
The it's second... sweet that you've seen it though, and you identify with the character in it though. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I think in a real, like in an action film or something, it's a lot easier because it's someone kicking ass, taking names. Like, yeah, he's like me, but it's where they're vulnerable. Like, that's quite quite sweet. I one hundred percent disagree with you here. I've <laughs> never, I've never ever watched an action film and gone, yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> That dude's me. That, <laughs> that guy fucking kicks ass and shags. That's Joseph Mulville. <laughs> Marius, have you, you ever have you ever watched a film and, and thought that you were a bit of a bit of them? Um, it must be a film that know, resonates with you. Please um, don't say knocked up. I tell you what, I'll tell you what, no, not top does just in the way of I would never handle it the way he handles it. Like I'd have been much scummier. Um, but I don't know any film where there's sort of like a monster or something, and there's a few that just sort of quietly back up the leaders but never really volunteer. That's okay. my role, like okay. 100%. Oh, man, an extra. I want a couple of lines, and I'll make sure I mention in there that I have a family or someone waiting, or I've got to pay for medicine for someone, a reason to keep me around, and not I'm not volunteering for. Am I sensing perhaps Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park? Or is that yeah. too much? Is that too involved? Um, he was in general danger at least one point, though. And I, I wouldn't think want they all were, mate. <laughs> 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 That's the point, yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, I'd have liked to have been in Samuel L. Jackson's position in Jurassic Park, but he ended up dead. So I don't know. But he seemed in the safest position, so I don't even know where I'd be in that film. Yeah, strange it, choice having Samuel Jackson as uh, as your IT guy. Like, yeah, he, yeah. I'd have him front and centre, just shouting "motherfucker" every day with a cigar. <laughs> yeah, hold on to your butt. <laughs> I'd have him play, uh, do the voice of the T Rex. Just, just if they're messing with DNA, why not? Yeah. So you've you've landed on genre. I think we've got a good idea of what you like. This is very exciting, very broad. You've got no idea what's happened yet, but the floor is yours, good sir. Where would you like to direct this story this week? So is this just, I can just set the, choose the genre now? All yours, buddy. Yeah. Well, okay, right, yeah, what, yeah. What, what we're going to say is that with genre, there will be there will be a little elements that trickle away from it that, that we're going to give you a bit of rain on as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Genre, cool. Genre's a big broad palette, so if you want to get a little bit fine tooth comb with a few bits, so it's all yours, mate. Okay. Well, I guess considering the collaborative nature of this, I feel like. Do you know what? I tell you what. Revenge. Could that be a genre? Revenge thriller. Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> just add anything with the word thriller next. To yeah, it. my man, you're just saying one word and then saying thriller at the end. This is not a stable way to reduce the script. Um, I feel like revenge film, revenge flick is a is that a film genre? I, yeah, I think it definitely is. Like, uh, no country for old men. You've got things like Jodie Foster in The Accused. She goes to get revenge. Uh, you've also got, what's it called? Kill Bill, the greatest revenge film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's entirely based on her trying to get revenge on Bill, right? 
Mm-hmm. I presume I've not seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the themes. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. Kill Bill. She's trying to do something to <laughs> Bill, but I can't put my finger on it. Okay, so You're... a re- revenge thriller then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk to us about some elements then. I suppose I would like there's got to be a double cross in there at some point. Uh that has to happen. Yeah, um, <laughs> I say that like, like yeah, some mad control that has to happen. It wasn't walking. Um, <laughs> perhaps a you know someone learning. No, not in a revenge film. Yes, maybe, maybe if there's any kind of break in the film, like or passage of time, or maybe if you show the person get wronged, perhaps at that earlier point there's someone involved there who the person fucking hates and thinks is all part of it, later, that person's going to help them out. Ah, oh, like a oh. redemption arc. Yeah, okay. yeah. So oh, not, not, a, not a sinister reveal at the end. Okay. Yeah, but now that you've said it like that, I also kind of think that will make a post credit scene where we see that person just give a little, like a little smile to themselves or something like, yeah, yeah, we caught all the murderers. Yeah. Oh. yeah, maybe, maybe. So you're talking about a positive double cross first, and then right very late in the game, then a double double cross, another a triple cross, if you yeah. will. Okay, I I, lo- I absolutely love that because it sets up for the sequel as well, which mm. is incredibly important because we. We're gonna get booked for a sequel. <laughs> I can guarantee you that oh, yeah, right yeah. now. So when uh, you think about that genre of revenge thriller, who I, I I'm gonna ask you here, actors because you you get some uh, actors that are only in certain films mm-hmm. like uh, Adam Sandler's only in. Shit. Like comedy, yeah, shit comedies, basically. Co- comedy thrillers. Comedy thrillers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve Buscemi is just in, like, quirky, weird films now. That's all he does, weird. Mm-hmm. In... Who do you think of as a, some of the cast you want to bring, see in this thriller, revenge uh, thriller? Well, I think you sort of got to go into those character actors. It's got to be one of them. Got to have an interesting face. Can't be, can't it be too pretty? But the audience got to want to fuck them still. Do you know, like something quirky about them. Like they're not classic leading person, but they are like I'd follow this person. What's the guy from The Pianist? What's he called? Oh, Adrian Brody. Yeah, Adrian Brody. He's got yeah, he's got such a face on him that you think. You know what? I'd still fuck him because it's Brody. <laughs> yeah. But I'd, I'd follow that guy. If some mad shit just happened, it's like, come on, go! I'd follow him where he was going because he looked kind of smart as well. So nice. Yeah, but here, here's the thing, Maris. This is a thriller. Would you trust him? Ooh. Has Adrian Brody got a trustworthy face? I can't picture it. I can't tell you. But does he to you? Um, He does look a bit too... He looks smart. But he does look like a nice guy. And yeah, I suppose I don't really want that. Someone older, we need someone a bit older than him, I think. Like uh, Dolph Lundgren. 
<laughs> yeah, put him in just because he will not be busy. He'll be available to do this at the drop of a heart. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Well, someone, you know, or someone that's a bit of a, like, you could get someone who specifically does, like, martial arts films, like Michael J. White or something, but don't have them fight anyone in the film. In fact, they get slapped once or something, like, and they don't do anything, like, shook. No one is expecting yeah, that. Make a mockery of them. So, like, Chuck Norris just getting slapped <laughs> by his wife. <laughs> This is such a weird demand. Imagine, like, his agent coming up to him, like, right, we got you this bit. It's not something you normally do. Uh, it's a thriller. Uh, okay. Uh, is it a comedy thriller? No. No, it's not. Uh, it's just a regular revenge thriller. And what we're going to do is, uh, do I fight in the second act? No. You're going to be slapped by your wife. And that's it. You're out of there. A cool, they're paying you £200 to do this. And I'm one, only, one afternoon. One afternoon is all. It'll one afternoon. But <laughs> we're, we're going to send you a green screen, and you can do your lines at your own house. <laughs> <laughs> you keep your shirt on this time, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Uh, here's his mobile number. Just leave a voice message. Those can be your lines or ADR men. Some of your shouts on this, Marius, is I love the idea of kung fu star in the thriller just and no one even addresses it (laughs) okay so we're going for a little bit of an older type who you want to trust and this is going to be the guy right who ends up being good but then the post credit goes back to bad is that correct yes okay so they're going to need some range Mm mm-hmm I feel like it's like when Homer's trying to write a film and he's on about that dog who has to have the sinister eyes where they just like look left and right. Like, yeah. we, need, we need an actor who can do that type of thing. So, Oh, I've got it. Got it already. Mel Gibson. This could be his real-life redemption arc. He's never going to redeem himself anyway, but that doesn't matter because we pretend that he is for this. He's got it, and I think there's still a bit of Mel Gibson magic where you would root for him a little bit. Please be good. Yeah, and I think that really works with... So you're going, oh, God, you first see him. Ah, fuck, Mel Gibson. Can't believe he's in this film. You think he's going to be bad. Oh, redemption. Maybe we like Mel Gibson again. And then uh, just as you're picking out, you're chucking away your popcorn, you're walking out the cinema, or like you're going to turn Netflix off. You just catch a glimpse of it at the end. The yeah. credits rolling. Mel Gibson does a wink, evil wink to the camera and says something anti-Semitic, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So you, <laughs> your, your partner's sat talking to you after it and she goes, oh, God, I, it's really changed my opinion of Mel Gibson, that. And then the credits stop and he's just on screen <laughs> punching someone in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says should be so quick. You don't be sure if you heard it. You didn't say that. Nah, you won't put that in a film. Like, yeah. It should be like that sort of thing. And if it's on Netflix, we'll talk to him, but you can't rewind it. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to go kind of like, did I hear that? Did he? <laughs> it might work. It might work. It could work, yeah. Uh, and also, humble request uh, for the credits. It's like you, we're seeing this... Uh, the final shot of the film with Mel Gibson there, the rest of the cast, 
and the credits just like play white text over the top of that image Love with that. them palling around and then it zooms in on Mel Gibson's face. Yeah. With yeah. in dedication to the fighters of the Mujahideen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it just ends. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be like the end of Saturday Night Live, and then just at the end of the stage is Mel Gibson just stood there. <laughs> yeah. Or they could have him playing the character Mel Gibson from South Park, where he's just in Braveheart, get up like in his pants, jumping around. Oh, my nipples are so hard. <laughs> Don't torture me. <laughs> I, I quite oh, like it. You know on um, on Rick and Morty where the guy's doing the advert for the doors, and then the yeah. advert ends and he just walks home. Like that would be the great end. So when the credits roll and Mel Gibson just like goes off set, gets in his car and drives back to his house. But then it's just still the end of the film. And when he gets home, he's got like people hung up in his house. Yeah, well, the way you said that, I could picture that. And you know, how I'm picturing it is we have him traveling to the credits music and it's all happy. It's all fucking happy, Larry, safe day. As it's going on, the little box that is Mel Gibson's feet gets bigger and bigger, music dies down. And then it's like just some piano score shit and, or you just Mm. hear his footsteps and just like he's chopping off maybe while he's looking at them. (laughs) (laughs) We probably have to mess with the, Netflix might not go for that. No, this, this is more of a HBO Max vibe. <laughs> what we're going to do now then is we're going to take a little break. And when we come mm-hmm. back, it's uh, it's time to reveal to you what the story is so far. And we're going to need your help of, of getting this Mel Gibson <laughs> twist and betrayal and mystery thriller. Mystery revenge Revenge thriller. thriller. Sorry, yeah. There were so many words of uses of the word thriller that I've forgotten what we landed on. So yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to take some work, but I'm, I'm confident. We are back with Marius. He has given us some very interesting thoughts on his genre this week. And it's, uh, it's something that we were sorely after, wasn't it, Joe? We, we desperately he, needed a genre to get us on this steady ship. Oh, yeah. It needs to, like, it's going to wrap the story together somewhat, I think. I I just want to ask you, Marius, not li- listened to any of the previous episodes, have you? I haven't, no. No. Good. Good. We're getting a... <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, a, I'm a give a, off a suspicious vibe here. <laughs> there's a continuation of a theme, shall we say? Yeah, I, let's just say a lot of the guests have come on, and the I I think this genre can make sense. A lot of the guests have come on and had suggestions that almost make sense. Yeah. <laughs> of, of course, a lot of them have not. A lot of them <laughs> fucked us. <laughs> so uh, let us. Let us first start by telling Marius uh, about our guest on episode one. Lovely chap yes. by the name of Dan, who landed on the setting. Straight off the bat, he got the setting, which is quite important. Mm-hmm. Dan was a big advocate of the horror genre. Okay. So his, his setting for us was a farmhouse, abandoned farmhouse in rural Ireland. He, he let us know that this barn had been passed down 
by a, by a family to a, a city dwelling office boy now. He's not interested in the goings on at the farmhouse. He's just doing his thing. And at the last possible moment, just as we were about to stop recording, he dropped in the, the key nugget of information that this barn was haunted. So we left episode one with a lot to digest. And then we had Kira on for episode two, Joe. Oh, yeah. Now, Kira got the very important, again, part of B-plot. So side story. Mm-hmm. This is where we found some struggles with our methodology <laughs> uh, because her B-plot was about a microwave in an office that wasn't getting cleaned, a sort of whodunit mystery, mm-hmm. uh, which we, I think we've incorporated that quite well. So it's going to be you know, kind of related to the McTree, who was the city boy, came back. Maybe it was his office microwave, something like that. Mm-hmm. But then our third guest. Yeah, I Liam was the one who caused the most issues, really. So he was <laughs> he was mad keen on getting genre that you landed on this week. What okay. he got instead, though, he got the main antagonist. So he was the one in charge of picking our villain for us. And guy likes a musical. So we had elements of of Tim Curry playing Regina George from Mean Girls. Yeah. If, if fucking Liam's episode didn't shaft us, I don't think anything can. Exactly. If you had to guess from the minimal information I've just given you there, Marius, from Liam's episode, who do you think he might have cast as a villain based on you know his love of musicals uh, and his love of you know Mean Girls and, and Tim Curry and that sort of campiness? Um, then possibly Tim Curry himself? Close. So it was actually Close. Richard III being murdered by Henry VI. I think I've misunderstood this game. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so the villain, let, let me just explain. The villain of our story is, uh, we've actually missed out a key factor, uh, is Jane MacDonald. Uh, Channel 5 presenter? News or something? She's on uh, Loose Women and other such things uh, around a cruise ship. We're not going to lie, me and Joe weren't quite sure who he was talking about for a good chunk of the show, but uh, still still not sure, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, uh, she does a bit of singing, sings show tunes, a real D-list celebrity. (laughs) I said it. Sorry, Jane. (laughs) Yeah, she, she, she does a show called Cruising with Jane McDonald on Channel 5. <laughs> that does not... That's, that's like driving for prostitutes, isn't it? Cruising. <laughs> Cruising with Jane McDonald. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm sure that's what cruising is. Yeah, just pick it, picking up street fiends. <laughs> yeah. Imagine uh, that, like, imagine, like, a, a dude just pulling up to a curbside and, like, some girl, like, leans over, she's like, what are you after, honey? He's like, oh, get in. And she gets in and Jay McDonald's sat in the back with a camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pretend, pretend we're not here. Pretend we're not here. <laughs> and then, so Jane McDonald gets possessed by the ghost of Hen- Henry VI uh, at a working men's club. Oh no, he said in the barn. 
yeah, at a wedding be, function. In this barn, yeah. And then she starts to kill people from Yorkshire. This because, is because of the War of the Roses. Yeah. What's what's she doing in a working men's though? That that would be my first question. So she got possessed in Jay McDonald's career not going good. Like mm-hmm. So yeah, so Jane gets possessed by the ghost of Richard the Sick, who is looking to No, Henry the Sixth. It's very complicated, we have to be clear. Sorry. Henry the Sixth. Yeah. He is looking to kill Yorkshire people as a continuation of the War of the Roses. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um still, because of the uh just sheer professionalism of the king, he is continuing to do pre-booked dates that Jane had. So he's possessed her, but he's still still willing to turn up and do his bit for for a bit of money, I guess. He's a man yeah. of honour. You know, if he says he's going to do something. Yeah, dead. exactly, yeah. And we had a couple of musical numbers as well, didn't we, Joe, that Liam was keen on introducing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Mariah uh, Carey, Touch My Body. Okay. Is the song that Jane MacDonald is singing at Point of Possession. Also... The end of Act Two does have a musical number called "Too Many Ghosts," where we just like a just a quick musical. I believe it has to be an '80s rap, just about how we address the fact to the audience that yes, there are three ghosts in a haunted barn. The haunting, as well, by the way, is completely separate to the ghost of. Uh, Richard III, who has to kill Henry VI and Henry VI. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to straight up in this song address, yes, we know, guys, there are too many ghosts in this film. This is, We'll mention it here, and then we're moving on. Yeah, yeah. There is still some debate between me and Joe about just literally cutting Liam's episode out entirely of the series, <laughs> uh, just for sheer work that we're going to have to do to wrap this in. So <laughs> this week, you've brought to us a, a thriller a well, revenge did, thriller. A revenge thriller, sorry. Revenge. Key, key part. And you've included Mel Gibson as a evil guy turned good, wink, wink, turned evil. Yeah. I mean, this thing writes itself. I'm just, <laughs> just going to sit back and listen to you. Yes. Yeah. Marius, the floor's yours. <laughs> Wrap it up, buddy. Not sure what you're drinking there, Marius, but you might need another. <laughs> so... What what do I get to play with then? To be honest, so, mate, yeah, a little bit of everything now because we, we ask our guests at the end of each episode of how they feel. You know, this might link in, but let's connect some dots. I don't see a problem with the Jane McDonald story and the, the microwave <laughs> the microwave story going on at the same time, and never we don't even know they're related till the end. Like maybe. Maybe Jim McDonald's just like we don't even know about that that much. We see bits, we see her possessed, and then we see Jane McDonald like trying to get work. And then when we cut to Jane McDonald, it's her doing mad ghost shit, murdering people and stuff like that. And we're like, why is Jane McDonald doing that? And it's only later we find out. Oh, so we Tarantino it. We have like oh, the chronology messed up, like, oh god. We cut to Jane McDonald like begging on the streets like Oliver Twist for work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, yeah, immediate like smash cut over to a barn in Ireland, maybe Jane McDonald floating up a bit. 
Uh, that's not really. That's not really thrillery. No, no. We, well, maybe we. Oh, what about you forgetting though that sorry when Jane McDonald has, has killed the people from Yorkshire as a calling card she lays Yorkshire puddings on their dead eyes. Yeah, carry, carry yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I did tell you not to write that down, but <laughs> there we are. I, I'm thinking. So then we need we need a reason. The guy in Ireland's going to meet. Her. What like we need a link between him and this killer in Yorkshire. That link can be his reason for revenge. What if he's he's a poor kid? He's a poor he grew up poor, grew up tough, but he's like he's moral, he's Christian or something, right? He's into it, he believes it. No sex till marriage, all of that sort of thing. Him and his girlfriend are going to Yorkshire for the okay. weekend. Have a night out. Something happens. Whatever. Girlfriend's dead. Girlfriend's dead. Right? Whoa. He. Yeah. No. So what happens is they have this amazing night. Amazing night. They've seen all around town and stuff like that, and it's just a great, great little holiday. They go to bed, and he sort of comes to in the middle of the night. Okay. He looks over. He could just. He could just about move his eyes, but he can't move. He's sort of paralyzed. Girlfriend's dead. Girlfriend's dead. <laughs> Jay McDonald. Putting these pies down putting on her face. Pies. <laughs> <laughs> putting these pies down on her face. Okay. okay. These Yorkshire puddings. These Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> yeah. Now, when, luckily for this guy, the maid comes in while he's still paralyzed. So it looks, and the police show up and stuff. So it does, he does look innocent. He was meant to be possibly the next victim or what have you. But he knows he's fucking Jane McDonald, but nobody believes him. Okay. Wow, that's, I mean, Jesus. Our listeners are going to genuinely think that we've told Marius about this prior to recording. <laughs> yeah. he, he honestly found out about this. So it's it's 20 past seven at time of recording. We told Marius about the previous episode at quarter past seven. And in the last five minutes alone, he's fucking gone and done it. <laughs> he's done that, it. <laughs> that is the perfect opening because it leads into like, oh God, I've got to prove that I didn't kill my girlfriend and it was mm-hmm. Jay McDonald. How do I do it? We said in previous episode, the reason why Jane McDonald is ends up in the barn, it's a it's like a wedding or some event there. A pre-booked event that she's doing. Yeah, yeah pre-booked right. event. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe then we have McTree, this character, go, oh, I know what to do. I'm going to book Jane McDonald at dad's old cow house that I've just inherited. Mm-hmm. And that's you. how they end up in Ireland. It's going to be a... Back yeah. to the old farmhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's he booking her to do? Sing, Sing of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 of course it's Sing. Was it, this is Jane McDonald. We're not wasting the talent here. Yeah. <laughs> And such okay. is Jane's proclivity to, to follow through on a gig. She goes to the farmhouse. Uh, along the way, he's going to have to realise that this is Henry the Sixth inside of her. But <laughs> at, at which point he says, I'll use the old uh, haunting farmhouse to summon Richard III. Because he's the yeah. only person who can defeat Richard VI, you see. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's another part. <laughs> yeah. I, like that. I like that element, though. Yeah. I do like that. 
Okay. It's like less on the nose, Lord of the Rings. You know, I am no man. Like, you know, like that was too on the nose for me. Like, but... I agree with you, Marius. This is 100% going to be better than Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah a high, just... it's a highbrow Lord of the Rings. Actually. Yeah. 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 That's, ob- that's obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a thinking man's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the, the Guardian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does that does that mean Mel Gibson's our Ian McKellen? Oh no! Uh, no. All Gollum. I know, Gollum. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing though when Mel Gibson is introduced, he's got to be bottom of the barrel, Mel Gibson. Okay. Something happens. We've got it's got to be like a divorced dad in a '90s sort of family comedy. Do you know, like he's trying, he's trying. Maybe what if Gibson? Is Jane McDonald's agent? That's what I was gonna say. That's the one. Because then yeah. you have it. At, you have the twist at the end with like the stinger scene where I am evil. He wants to get rid of Henry the Sixth from Jane McDonald's body. Mm-hmm. To obviously, he wants his star back. Wait, I've so got it. I've got it. Okay, I've got it. It's just come to me. Mel Gibson is the agent. He's the one who reveals that Jane McDonald's been possessed. That's where he comes good. End credit scene. Mel Gibson's driving away. Credits are rolling. We pan from his driving seat in his car to his back seat. There's a bag of Yorkshire puddings. Oh. Mel Gibson is controlling who gets possessed by Henry VI. Your, this is... yeah. Absolute genius. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That's the link. We don't even need to do the rest of the podcast. We, we've got it set today. Genre setting. <laughs> okay. So I feel like we've linked it pretty nicely from somehow. Yeah, Mel, yeah. Gibson, Mel Gibson is Jay McDonald's agent. He's got a little sinister side to him. We can't promise you that the Yorkshire pudding twist will remain in the story because twist is, as you know, yet to come. But mm-hmm. if somebody maybe puts the twist on the fishy microwave story, which we've kind of neglected, but it's a B plot, or if somebody puts a twist on the ghosts, of which we have too many, then I do think that the the Mel Gibson little little wink towards the camera post credits is is going to be there for you, and mm-hmm. he is one hundred percent not quite what he seems in life and in this. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to say. In life, he's 100% what he seems. <laughs> yeah. Do not trust Mel Gibson. <laughs> it's been a wild ride, Marius. It's been a fantastic episode. Really good fun having you on, buddy. Is there anything you'd like to give a shout out to before we leave this week? Um, no. <laughs> I'll Excellent. shout out nobody. No acknowledgements <laughs> to anybody. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's easy to edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's an absolutely self-made man over <laughs> Marius it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on and helping us build our story oh yeah you've been a pleasure uh, thank you very much for coming on no worries thanks for having us guys absolute blast mate take care
I yeah. genuinely thought he was going to when he said the girlfriend dying. I thought he was gonna add a fucking ghost. In. <laughs> 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 